0: So there were several experiments that were conducted back in the mid to late 1800s. And they had to do with frogs. And uh, they did all sorts of things. They were trying to find out about the nervous system and the brain and reactions of frogs and so on and so forth. So one of them, uh, they actually, and apparently this is possible, they removed a good portion of the brain of the frog and they put him in warm water. And when they put him in warm water, hot water got hotter and hotter, the frog stayed, all right? So they're, uh, and he didn't make it, okay? <laughs> that, was, that was the point. He's, he didn't make it. But they took a frog also that had, and these were several different experiences, but they took a frog fully intact brain, and they put him in that same temperature hot water, and of course the frog let me out of here, Right? But they took, again, that frog and put him in a more comfortable environment, a little bit cooler water. And they worked on very slowing down the degrees in which they warmed it up. And each time they warmed it up a little bit, a little bit, the frog would kind of wriggle and adjust and take the heat, we'll say. Uh, but never jumped out. Just kept the jump. And adjusting, and adjusting, and adjusting until his environment came to a lethal temperature and it was over. And that's part of uh, what happens oftentimes. And this, uh, we're we're working on the Ten Commandments and we've talked about God's standards, right? Many times we've been talking from the very beginning about God's standards. And as we have worked through and studied and and looked at these Ten Commandments, I think each one of them is sometimes shocking, sometimes amazing at what's required, and definitely humbling. Okay, each one of these. And the standard is so high, you just can't reach it. Every time, you just can't reach it. And if you think you've reached it, take heed, lest you fall, right? But our world has been filled with changing standards again and again and again just like the water for the frog it's been very slow little by degrees little bit little bit little bit and our society uh, has continually changed but god's standard has never changed and i want you to know god's standard will not change from the beginning of the time uh, of the earth, when it began, and when when Moses took the Ten Commandments from the mountain, of course, the God, the law of God, it was in place already before God wrote it down, right? What was right was right in God's standard, regardless. And it will continue on, Jesus says, not one jot or tittle, which was a little tiny part or piece kind of within uh, the language of jesus day not one tiny little bit of those will pass away he said till the end time comes because god's standard is god's standard is god's standard from the beginning to the end regardless of our changing society god still stands and says here's the way i made it this is how it works so with that changing it is very difficult to see and act towards that standard all right we have that constantly changing environment but in our society on many of these commandments we have come nearer and nearer to the boiling point but just haven't noticed all right It's not just within our lifetime. This is generations and generations of these things have passed. And so what we see as normal in our world was never intended to be normal. God's standard was intended. And everything else is a deviation from that. And everything else is towards the boiling point, right, where the environment has changed and has become lethal, but god's standard never did we are not unlike every other society okay if you go back into the bible you can go back the very beginning right from when adam and eve did the first sin it was only eight generations and then noah came along right the earth got so bad So quickly, because standards changed and changed. As soon as sin was allowed to grow, things got worse and worse and worse. And so it was bad enough where God said, He described it that all people thought continual evil. All the time. Continual evil. That's how He described before Noah's Ark. And so He destroyed it and through one family continued the earth and slowed it down but it wasn't far after that we hear of other societies sodom and gomorrah right sodom and gomorrah and think about sodom and gomorrah if you look in and that's just in the first book in genesis still right if you look at that society it had changed and all of its standards had changed just close That there were only four people that God thought was even worth saving out of that. That God says, okay, I will bring them out and not put them through judgment. Four of them. One while they were walking out. She had to leave. She wanted to stay. There other was Lot and his two daughters. Who went up into the mountains and the two daughters got lot drunk and committed incest with him to have children those were the best ones right so things change and things the standard doesn't ever change god says this is the way i created humans so when we look at things we look at our perspective and we see what we get from media and the world around us but god's standard never changes By the way, other societies, the Canaanites, which were many, many different tribes, all came to that point as well. Babylon, and Tyre, and even Nineveh, that Jonah was able to turn through his preaching, eventually came and turned away. So there were many, many, and you see them in the Bible, do not think our society is any different than mankind has ever lived in. So when we look at this, regardless of the place, regardless of the time, God's standards still remain as they are. And God has said, from the beginning I say this, this is what's right, this is what's not. And he gave us his word to go back to consistently regardless of where we live, in what part, whether we are closer to God's standard as a society or close to the boiling point, in our society or it's changing tremendously during our life we still have god's standard so we go back and that's one of the reasons we're looking at these ten commandments to understand god's standard where they come from and then understand a little bit deeper behind it so let's turn to exodus chapter number 20 exodus chapter number 20 And we will look at Exodus 20, the 7th commandment. Exodus 20, verse number 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And so, that's it. It's very short. It's all it says. And yet, there are never... So few of words in our society today that make more people uncomfortable. And if those words make people uncomfortable, you're not alone out there. Oftentimes when we hear this, shall not (laughs) commit adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Oftentimes when we hear this, we go somewhere in our mind. Either something like, well, I never did that. Or that dirty, rotten scoundrel. You think of somebody in your head. Did that to her or did that to him or did that to me? But as we have learned from the previous six commandments, there's more going on behind God's standard. There's much more and there's much more to learn about. And believe me, when I drew commandment number seven, I said, oh no, i got to teach that one. Right? (laughs) It's hard for our society to hear the words and they will sound almost foreign because living in a society like we live today, they are it is totally opposite of what God has said, and it affects almost all of us in some way. So let's go and look because we need to understand something else. First of all, what is marriage? To look and look at the purpose behind this. What is it? Well, it's something God said, you're going to do this. A man leaves his mother and father and cleaves unto his wife, and the two become one flesh. And that's how God describes it. And how do they become one flesh? Well, it is a promise. It is a contract. Okay, It is uh, a covenant, you can call it or one word that we use a lot today is a vow All right. so the promise or the vow is where I say I am going to stay with this person till death do us part alright and so God says if you're going to live in marriage which is what God created we need to protect that covenant and protect marriage and God's answer to protecting marriage is thou shalt not commit adultery all right this is to protect marriage and its covenants and within marriage because God says when you go and you cleave unto your wife become one flesh you are protecting the next generation all right that's where God created the family and said here's how you do this you go you make a promise you stick with this promise with this person lifelong and this matters okay like i said there are the society we live in is a whole nother place right but god's standard still remains the same and so let's look into hebrews As we look in what God intended to protect the family, to protect the generations, what is it that God says, do not commit adultery? We're going to look a little more into it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 4. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse number 4. Marriage is honorable in all. Even that has changed in our society, that it's not as honorable, it's not trendy. Don't worry about it, right? Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. That's pretty straightforward, but let's talk about two... Different types of uh, the plan were opposite of what God's plan was. All right, and he brings up whoremongers, which is not a word we use these days. Okay, and adultery, whoremongers and adultery. So, what is a whoremonger? That's simply this: it's someone who commits fornication, right? Fornication or Sex outside of marriage, and that is with unmarried people, okay? Unmarried. Adultery is just sex outside of marriage with married people. The only difference all of what God created he said here's what I created sex with a marriage is a wonderful thing it's a chemical bonding people have done all sorts of experiments about history things like that there is something that happens intimacy in this way is God's idea and it's good a great idea but there are two ways to defile the bed right and god says do this within marriage that's where i say this is safe to do this not for physical reasons but there's a lot more going on okay a lot more going on behind the scenes there are physical reasons behind it as well Being faithful protects the marriage, right? Which protects not only the person whom you love, but it protects future generations. And that's why God says, here's my standard. Here's what I created. Here's how you live. This is the best way to live. And I created sex within marriage. And that's where I did it. Here's where our society continues to go and says, well, outside of marriage or fornication, right, I can have sex if I love somebody, right? But that is our society saying that and not God. God never said that. The person you choose to get married to is the person whom you share that with. And anybody else, God says, this is not my plan. This is not what I have for you to do. Just because you love somebody very much is not reason enough to do it. Okay? You share that and save that for marriage because, not because it's an old-fashioned idea, but because it was God's idea. And nothing else was. Right? So his standard is a big one. Now... Our society comes closer and closer to a boiling point, right? So you live in it, and you can go out and see thousands of things out there in every other way. But there is more, okay? There is more. What Jesus says about it. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing what Christ says. So let's turn to Matthew chapter number 5. As we look at Christ's words... Matthew chapter 5, verse number 27, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 27, as we see directly what Jesus has to say about this, right? And I have told you this before, Jesus said, I have not come to take the law away, or to close the law down, or to say the law is finished he says i have come to fulfill the law to help you understand what goes behind the law and that's what this series on the 10 commandments is let's go with what's behind the law Uh, chapter 5 verse 27 you have heard that it was said by them of old time thou shalt not commit adultery all right he's saying there's the law but i say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. All right? Adultery is not merely physical. In fact, that's probably a very small part of it. By the time you get physical act outside of marriage, adultery or fornication... The battle's already done. The real battle is not in the physical part. The real battle exists in your heart and your mind. In your heart and your mind. And that is exactly where the battle of adultery begins and almost nearly ends when you say, Okay, I will all in your heart, in your mind, right? You have a struggle, a battle, regardless of whether it's male or female. The battle and the struggle is real. Now it says, specifically, and all the ladies are like, phew, we're all set, because that's all about the guys out there, right? Their eyes, and we knew they were the problem all along. (laughs) (laughs) we have our problems ladies we know it right we know it but here is where we start and we look at what this is the word lust means desire and like I said the battle is in the mind desire is where the struggle begins desire does not begin with the chemical uh, although there's pieces of that in our body as well but the desire is something is said up in your head to begin with or unaware of the battle it is real and it is there and it is in most every human desire i'm going to say when you desire you look with intent you have a desire you look with intent now those, some of those phrases that might pop up in your head when you have desire are I desire that person that's a simple easy one another one that maybe not be as aware of is I'm not happy That's where a battle begins. I'm not happy. Or, I don't like what I have or the situation I'm in. Or, maybe there's something better somewhere else. Or, something... Like this, you should have heard what he said to me. Or something like this, she always demeans me, everything she says. There's always something in what she says. Or maybe just like this, I just want peace in my life. I just want happiness. I'm going to get that in my house. Those are where the battle begins, right? And we've all had those moments where we just desire something else. We want out because it's tired of it, the way it is. The way we live, the way it is, and it might be just as much our fault as anybody else, and that's not even what we're talking about. Or there might be really nothing wrong. It's just sort of boring at the moment in your mind, it all begins with, eh, maybe it's a little better somewhere else. Right? A discontentedness is where desire (coughs) is the battle. Right? And how many of us have ever been discontented in our life? And you don't have to put your hand up because I already know! Right? There's been moments of discontent in all of our lives where we just say, ah, And there's the battle. Right? It's there and it's real. So let's look at 1 Timothy. That is what Jesus is talking about with lust. I'd like something else. That begins. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 6. A simple but great verse to remember, to memorize. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Two things in there we should have. Godliness and contentment. When our minds wander to take us to a new place that we think is going to be much better than the place we're in, that's the beginning of desire. And if we say, boy, I just don't want to deal with what I've got anymore. I'd like something else. That's not where God wants you to be. right? Not where God wants me to be. We need to learn how to be godly in our thoughts. And godliness... If we have been learning from our first John right on Tuesday nights, God is love, right? He is forgiveness. So we should learn love and forgiveness and contentment to be happy regarding disregarding our circumstance almost just to say, whatever circumstance I'm in, I'm okay as long as I understand. God's got me here, and I'm going to walk through it. And it may not be a bed of roses today, but I made a commitment, I made a promise, and I made a vow, and we're going to keep going. That's where contentment begins and where the battle of desire is pushed away. Okay? So I don't care what point you are in In your life, this battle may end up and result in a physical thing if you are uh, not on the winning side of this battle. But if you can learn godliness, true love, and contentment, even in a society filled right to the boiling point, you can live towards God's standard. But then Jesus doesn't stop. Go back to Matthew, and these are tough words, hard words. Again, we're at the boiling point. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 29, he has just said, anyone who looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already in his heart. Verse 29, chapter 5 of Matthew, and if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out cast it away from thee for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell and if thy right hand offend thee cut it off and cast it from thee for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish not that only thy whole body should be cast into hell it has been said whosoever shall put away his wife let him give her a writing of divorcement But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Jesus' words. Right? We live in a saturated society. There's not one of us not affected by these things. And so, where do we stand well, to God's standard, we, we can't stand up to it. Not one of us. Who hasn't had desire in their life? Who hasn't done something wrong in their life? Who hasn't made a poor choice in their life? Many of us. And if you haven't, fantastic for you. I am so glad. <laughs> you are perfect out there. Close your ears. <laughs> That's fine. But for those of us who have fallen short of God's standard... Let's also look at Jesus' reaction. This is important. None of us can stand up to what God's standard is. We have all failed at times or many times, some of us in little ways and some of us in huge ways, but we've all failed and come short of God's standard, his glory. And when Jesus said, put your eye out and cut your hand off, he says, Not that you should go around and have no eyes and hands, right? Because soon we would have no eyes and no hands. And then we'd still be thinking about wrong things. Because the battle is not in our hands. His point is do something radical. Right? Understand that it will require something radical in your life. If you want to follow God something radical right because your mind will need to change and that requires God to change so let's look at what Jesus' reaction is go to John chapter 8 he has put the standard up and then he's raised it so high that nobody can ever reach it not that we shouldn't aim but no one can ever reach it We have all fallen short. And so here is John chapter 8. This is Jesus. Chapter 8, verse number 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst of him, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. They ripped her out of the bed and threw her in front of Christ. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest you? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to, uh, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he had not heard them. The law says stoner. So what are you going to do, Jesus? Now they have intent to try to take Jesus down. They don't care about this woman. They don't care about the injustice. They don't care about anything. If they'd have cared about the woman, they'd have grabbed the guy too. Right? They didn't do it. They're not interested in that. But Jesus is not interested in what they're trying to do either. Jesus is much more interested in this woman. whom we don't really know her name, people have guessed. It doesn't really matter. She was caught in the middle of the act of doing the wrong thing. Here it is, Jesus. Stoner. Right? That's what the law says. So what do you say? Verse 7, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone first at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. Do not be condemning others, even with these things. Even in great things. And I said in the very first, when we say, when we read it out, do not commit adultery, probably most of our minds went to somebody up there where, ah, man, that guy, can't believe what he did. But then we find that Jesus has a whole different standard and says, if you've ever had desire, if you've ever battled your mind, and you've had those desires and you've entertained them in your mind, watch out, because it's the same thing. So do not condemn others, even those who are in your own partnership, your own relationship, your own marriage. They don't need condemnation from you. They need forgiveness from you. Let God take care of setting things right. We are supposed to be having godliness, love, forgiveness, and contentment. In the face of the world going crazy, we are supposed to be doing this. And so what are Jesus' words? Back to verse 10? When Jesus had lifted himself up and saw that no, or saw none but the woman, he said unto her, "Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, "No man, Lord." And Jesus said unto her, "Neither do I condemn thee. Go." And sin no more. Truly, Christ's forgiveness must have been freeing that day. Right? Don't we all need it? Where do we stand in front of God? We can't stand to his standard. And when we think we've got it, Take heed, lest you fall. So we are called... Not to say, oh, well, if we don't have it, we just forget it all. We'll just do whatever we want, right? God's going to forgive us. That's not what God's intent is. His God, God's intent is to teach you to learn to love, to teach you contentment, to teach you godliness and forgiveness. There is no marriage worth its salt out there that does not have forgiveness in it. That is the way to protect your marriage. Forgiveness. Because you will need to. Because two imperfect people got together and made an imperfect union, right? And two imperfect people need a whole lot of forgiveness, one for another. And if it's only one side that forgives and not another, that only goes so far. You can't be the one who (laughs) initiates, but forgiveness needs to go both ways. Repentance, when Jesus said, go and sin no more, he's saying, repent. What does repent mean? It means turn around go the other way. Did she fail again? Maybe. It was not, come to me when you're clean. That's not what Christ says. Christ says, I'm here To help you walk a different direction. Will you stumble and fall? Likely. Will you need Christ's forgiveness again? Yes. And your spouses. So if your marriage is built on forgiveness. If your relationships are built on forgiveness. They will last much, much longer. Contentment. Love. Forgiveness. And now we have one more thing to finish it out. We're going to turn to 1 Peter. I said everything. I might as well just say one more. Here we go. 1 Peter, chapter number number 3. 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse number 10. The last key element here. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. If you're going to be content, then you need to watch what you say. You can't say, well, I'm I'm fine, and shoot out barbs at the people in your marriage. You can't shoot out barbs at constantly saying nasty things. You know just what those things are, too. You can act innocent about it because we all do. I don't know what I'm saying, right? And yet you say it with a tone, "I didn't say anything," right? Right. <laughs> all of those things are required in your marriage if you are going to have a successful marriage. Uh, according to christ right we need to watch a few things in how we treat those other people that are dear to us in our life and usually those people in our, that are dear to us in our life we treat them the nastiest right we made a promise to them and i'm going to stick to you and somehow i'm going to treat you worse than anybody else i'm all happy and nice when other people are around when i get home you'll see the real me the real me is not always pretty so we are to watch our tongue, godliness and contentment, being careful what we bring into our relationships, having no guile behind it, which means no nasty words, no bitterness. Saying, "I'm here to ha- I'm here to forgive you," because they're going to do something wrong, and forgiveness takes a lot to do it, All right? When we fill our lives with desire, with comparison of others, say, well, they have this and I don't, All right? i tell you, this thing is not evil in and of itself, but every one of us in here can do something real nasty on it, whether it's our words or pictures or anything we do and say. There's a lot of potential, and we all bring it right home, right with us all the time. Make sure we have a lot of opportunity with us, right? We always have an opportunity to say whatever we want, get those words out there, compare to other people, find out how really discontent we really are. We can look at all the perfect things that are, everybody else is doing, because I bet you that's truthful. Right? <laughs> right everybody posts pictures of the cake they made or whatever i don 't know, whatever <laughs> they do i don 't know, or use it for looking at things we shouldn't look at. We all struggle, we all fail and falter, and not a one of us can do it right. So we all need forgiveness, we all need to come back to Christ again and again and again and come back to our spouse again and again and we are to have patience with them because we need it too in our minds we don't think so lots of times we forget easily about what we did and we remember what the other did to us That's easy to do so there you go that's what we have God's standard in the midst of a, a the world is at a boiling point, and so the world is all topsy-turvy, close to turning away from God as much as they can in every single moment, right? But we need to understand, go back to God's word, because God's word is the standard. Always has been, and it will be till the day he comes. Thank you very much. Have a good day.